Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Greg Barnes and Jason Staples. It is the second to the last weekly Jason, Greg, and Tommy show. Greg, I'll start with you first. Carolina coming off a win. First time. Well, the second time all year we've done this podcast after a win, so it makes it a little bit easier to do. A lot more fun. And a lot more fun. Greg, the win against Pitt certainly has improved the spirits of this team. Now they're in a situation going to play or having a Western Carolina team come to Keenan Stadium that should beat fairly easily. I would think that the win over Pitt helped that to become a reality on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, going back to that Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech game, we knew uh, that North Carolina, uh, they didn't show up, they didn't execute, they got manhandled. And it looked like the season was spiraling out of control at that point. And for good reason. I mean, North Carolina, uh, I guess at that point, was, was one in seven. Things were not looking good. Then we saw them come out against Miami, and they showed life. And we can talk about Miami playing down to their competition, fine. But we're still talking about a team that is now uh, in the top four of the college football playoff. So a very good Hurricanes team. They're North not Carolina that had a chance. Good, but my goodness, <laughs> well, they've looked good the last two weeks. They sure have. It just goes to show what 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 how powerful belief is and momentum is. Man. Right, and that and that that sets us up perfectly because North Carolina uh, they build off of that. And they said, hey, you know, we, we played one of the top 10 teams in the country pretty tight. And if we hadn't had so many turnovers, maybe we beat them. Uh, and so they carried that over, had a, had a very good uh, week of practice and, and take care of business at Pitt with essentially their, their third string quarterback playing. And so now, yeah, now they've, they've had two weeks where they've played pretty well. They had a bye week in there where they were able to rest up a little bit. Uh, and so now you head into this game, a game that you're, you should win pretty handily because the, the Catamounts, um, I mean, they're coming off a, a loss at home to Mercer. Uh, and so they've got to be feeling pretty good. And as we said a couple weeks ago, you, you come off that Miami game. If you win at Pitt, then you take care of business against Western. All of a sudden, that NC State game, your Thanksgiving weekend, becomes fun. So uh, I think kind of hats off. You know, the coaches deserve credit for sure, but I mean they're getting paid a lot of money to keep these kids up. <laughs> it's really the, the really the players, the senior leadership, who's kind of kept this group tight, and they've really done a good job of kind of keeping everybody engaged, uh, and it's starting to show off uh, a little bit here late in the season. Jason, the bye week was a little later than it should have been, or that Carolina needed it to be, but you know it's paid off. They've got the win. Now they get a Western team, like Greg said, and I said earlier that they should be easily. Uh, it's just what kind of the doctor ordered for this North Carolina team this late in the season. And let's talk about the Nathan Elliott factor. And I want your take on this. I mean, you're our 
X's and O's quarterback guru for inside Carolina, your take on how he performed. I mean, he is definitely the safe pick at quarterback for North Carolina and he's proven that in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, I, I would be careful about calling him the safe pick. I mean, if you go back to that Miami game, the three interceptions there, a couple of those were, were, were not good picks. Uh, one of them I think was more on the receiver, but I, I'd be careful about just saying about saying that he's the safe pick. Now I will say this: he managed the game and and was very safe throughout the game against Pitt. So we've got two games to evaluate. The first one, he brought a spark, and that's something that's true in both games. I think the one thing you can't question at this point, as far as Nathan Elliott is concerned is that he has earned the respect of his teammates and they play hard for him and they believe that 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 he should be out there. And you can see that he's willing to sell his to sell his body out to to really to to do the little things necessary to try to get those inches and they respect that. So that's that's the biggest thing and the first thing that I I would notice on that or that I have noticed. As far as some of the other things you know, against a better defense against Miami, he struggled to to get through his uh, to get through his reads at at times. Made some bad decisions here and there, but we've seen that from all three quarterbacks at different points this year. Some of that's just inexperience. Uh, some of it is some of the limitations that he's having to work around. I mean, he knows he he knows he, his limitations. That's one of the good things about him is he's not going to try to throw a football through a wall, and and you could see that against Pitt. So. Basically, what I saw against Pitt is a quarterback that was under, that understood his limitations and understood where Carolina was in the game, didn't take unnecessary risks, didn't try to push things, but at the same point took what was there. If he can keep doing that, then he is really the safe play. I'm still concerned based on a couple things against Miami, but you know, again, inexperience, first game out there. Uh, with this group quality defense that put a lot of pressure on him. So a little bit up and down, you know, there is still some concern about his ability to, to stretch the defense. I mean, so far of the five touchdown passes that, that Carolina's had since he took over at quarterback, two of them have been thrown by Anthony Ratliff Williams. So they've found ways to try to compensate for not being able to throw over top with him uh, as, as well. But, uh, you know, I think again, you 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 manage what you what you can with that. And Fedora and that group, that offensive staff, heck, and that and that staff, they're pretty good at understanding what their quarterback's able to do, and scheming ways to use those things. So, I mean, I think I think they can they can have some success with him, but I I'm a little bit cautious because the the, the results have been mixed so far, and also Pittsburgh. Like we talked about in the last podcast, you know, in the uh, that I was on at least the uh, the preview podcast, Pitt had the worst defense going into that game that Carolina had played since Old Dominion and arguably since since Louisville. So expecting a little bit more success against them from the quarterback position is something that you would expect because you know Pitt's just not very good defensively and they're way worse than the teams that had been recently on the schedule. I mean, you look at Virginia Tech and Miami and 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 that group going all the way back to Old Dominion. They played a, a series of of very good defenses and then all of a sudden played Pitt, who's 
at the very bottom of the power five in terms of, of defensive efficiency when you adjust for opponent. So a little bit mixed, but uh, I, I certainly saw some things you can build on, uh, particularly again in, in how he's just brought a spark uh, to the way that the rest of the offense plays around him. And, and you know, there's hope that uh, this game continues to build that confidence and they can work their way into, uh, into, into a good place going into uh, the rivalry game in a couple of weeks. Tommy, a couple of good points made there by Jason. And with reference to the coaching staff doing a pretty good job, and I think this is primarily Fedora, but, I mean, his, his assistants help in this regard. But they understand those limitations, and they understand how to put their, their quarterbacks in, in ideal positions. And I think kind of the, the ideal uh, perfect story from Larry Fedora's coaching tenure. I know where you're going with this He way. told this. Yeah, he he told this at a coaching clinic, and he's he's talked to me about it in the past. But when he was at Middle Tennessee State, uh, he shows up, puts in his new offense. He just constructed it, but he's got a quarterback, Wes Counts, who has no arm strength whatsoever, and so there was no threat of him throwing to the field side uh, for any kind of you know, accuracy. And so I want to say Fedora said something roughly: you eighty know, percent of his passes were over the middle into the boundary. And they essentially didn't have to guard the field side, the, the wide side of the field, because he couldn't throw the, throw the ball over there. But teams still had to defend the wide receivers on that side, so they really were able to take those guys out of the equation. What happens? I think in 2001, West Counts leads the nation in passing accuracy. And he's a kid who does not have a very strong arm. And so I think that's a pretty good example of how Fedora has done this. And uh, Pro Football Focus uh, posted something after the game Thursday night with with Elliott, you had a 137 passer rating on throws between the numbers. He's 15 of 18 for 228 and a touchdown. Now, what that says is that a lot of his misses were outside the numbers, which which you know, one was a drop, Roscoe Johnson dropped, uh, but kind of speaks to you know, some of his limitations. But I think that bodes well for these last couple games. I think there's a problem there when you start trying to project forward. You know, does Surratt have a lot better skill set? Uh, clearly, yes. Uh, but, and this is kind of where I want to go with Jason, early in the year when, when Brandon Harris was, was playing a lot, we talked about uh, on these shows how when Surratt came in, especially like against Louisville, the team kind of rallied around him. And they kind mm-hmm. of, he kind of had that if factor. Well, as the season's progressed and, and Surratt's confidence has taken a hit and his body's taken all kinds of hits, you've kind of lost that. But then you get into Miami, and what happens? Nathan Elliott comes in, and then all of a sudden he provides that spark once again, re-energizes everybody. And Larry Fedora was asked about that on Monday, and I, I didn't actually like his response because his response was, well, Elliott's been here one year longer than Sratt, and so, yeah, he knows people better. He, he has more friends on the team, mm-hmm. so that makes sense. I think that's a little disingenuous, but I, but I think the fact that the team has really kind of rallied around him is beneficial. So, so Jason, I've, I've kind of turned that to you. We could talk about his limitations and we could talk about you know, things that maybe he's, he's not as good at as what you would like as a prototype prototype quarterback in the system. But how much does that leadership and that, that toughness uh, matter when you're in a season like this, when, when things have kind of spiraled out of control and you're just trying to keep everybody engaged and kind of locked in, focused on the next game and not worried so much about, grandeur and and you know a ranking and those types of things yeah I mean I think you you said a lot there um I agree with you that that Fedora's 
answer was one of those uh, coach speak non-answers where he's trying to skirt the question. Uh, he doesn't want to give a, a legit answer there uh, that that really breaks down some of the dynamics that are most likely in play. I think one thing that that really comes uh, comes into play here with this sort of thing is it's easy, and this is part of why the the backup quarterback is always the, the fans or and Tommy Ashley's uh, uh, favorite favorite player, at least according to Buck Sanders, um, is uh, is that when you're not having success with the guy that's out there and the, and the next guy comes in, there is a little bit of that energy that, that, that you have as a, you know, well, trying something different, you know, maybe, maybe this will work. So I think some of it really boils down to that. Now that said, that doesn't work to the same degree, unless you have a guy that you respect because of the work he's put in because of, the example that he's set because of how he's been a leader in terms of responding to not being named the starter, responding, you know, going to work every day when he's third on the depth chart, you know, putting in extra work when other guys are, when the other few guys who are putting in that extra work are there and they notice that stuff gives you the chance that when you do get your opportunity, now those guys are more likely to rally around you. And, and, you know, from some of the stuff that we've heard, and, you know, I know you've heard some of this stuff in terms of, uh, of how Elliot went about things. He earned a lot of that respect. He earned the excitement of guys of, okay, fine. You're getting, you know, finally you're getting your chance. We haven't had success with the other guy the last few weeks. We're glad you're getting your chance finally, because you've earned it. So I think there's a lot of that. I think the other thing is it's very clear and you could really see it. I mean, you you mentioned it off air before we started that by the by the Virginia Tech game, you could see that Surratt was beat up physically and mentally. You could just see he just he didn't have any sort of confidence. Like his body language on the field in the Virginia Tech game looked for all the world like he didn't want to be out there. And frankly, it, it wasn't clear he was healthy enough that they wanted him out there to begin with. I mean, they started that game. Uh, you know, he he went back in that and Harris got hurt. So it looked, looked like he didn't want to be out there and other team, you know, your teammates start to notice that stuff. When you start to, as a quarterback, when you start to check out, when you start to self-protect and when you start to, to give off that vibe of like, why am I even out here? Teammates notice. So then when the next guy goes out and he's excited to be out there and he's fired up and he's given everything he's got. Yeah. It brings that spark and that energy. And I think that's been the dynamic as much as anything has just been that Surratt got worn down because he got beat up and they were not having success. I mean, he could have taken the same amount of punishment, but it's one thing if you're taking punishment and you're winning. It's another thing if you're taking punishment and you just aren't having success. That gets, that's a grind both physically and mentally and spiritually and, and you know, emotionally, all these, you know, in every sort of way that makes it harder. And I think he he really had to deal with that and he's a young guy he's trying to address all that you know he also got some uh, contact to the head a couple times which also may may impact this if you're dealing with some concussion type stuff perhaps these are the sorts of things that open that door for the next guy to come in who has that respect and is really excited to be out there to suddenly get the team to rally around him and i think that's what we've seen you're listening to the inside carolina radio show we'll be right back after these messages let's talk about uh the rest of the team rallying around him, Jason. I mean, you nailed it last week. 
with your talk that Ratliff Williams would have a would need to have a big game, and also on the Jordan Brown deal, I think y'all both called me out for saying it would be Michael Carter's day and said it would be Jordan Brown's. Indeed, it was. But I felt like watching that pit game; those guys just played harder. Now, I'm not saying they don't play hard all the time, but like we've talked about, you know, off the air when we were talking about Miami, for instance, or with Carolina guys, it, that spark that Elliott provided or the change provided, certainly it helps to win. And Pittsburgh was a game that all year they've lost, so it helped that they got over that hump. But, Jason, talk about the other guys on the offense, whether it was the offensive line doing their job, Jordan Brown getting those yards late, Ratliff Williams just going nuts. I mean, it's sort of a – we often talk about how some teams are front runners. Well, players are too. Individual players are too. They like to they build off success, and it kind of compounds itself. And that was, that's what it looked like to me against Pittsburgh. And it should bode well for the Western Carolina game and beyond to state, don't you think? Oh yeah, no doubt. And now at the same time, I do want to be cautious because if you go back to the Miami game early in the Miami game, that offense played with great energy. That offense drove the field, you know, got down inside the Miami five. They, they, they did all that with Serratic quarterback. So they played with that kind of energy against Miami early. And I, I wonder to some degree whether or not the, you know, when you see the spark that, that, that Elliot brought in that, it, there was such a small sample size of Surratt in that game. I wonder whether or not that spark was already to some degree there because they really believed they would beat Miami. So I think that may have been a factor as well. You know, I think the and the other part here is, is against Pitt. The the thing that that brought the biggest spark was the opening kickoff return. Suddenly, all, that that team's playing seven nothing from 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 the very beginning, and they believe from that moment on we're winning this game. Now, interestingly, if you look at uh, some of the advanced stats and so on, uh, Bill Connolly's stats have uh, UNC in a normal game with that stat profile, UNC would have a one percent chance of winning that game. But they managed to win it thanks to a couple turnovers, uh, the key one right before the half that was returned, and the kickoff return. So it's not like they played great. And it's, you know, I, I think some of those guys, I mean, Jordan Brown's been running hard and playing hard all year. I mean, that guy was playing hard against Virginia Tech when the game was over. So there is some of that. I do think that the offensive line has has seemed to galvanize and protect a little bit better and and, and has seemed to really embrace Elliott. So there may be something to that, but I want to be a little cautious in terms of, you know, the guys are just playing harder. I do think there's been some re- some response, but I, but again, the sample size is there that, you know, I, I want to be careful to say, okay, well, you know, they seem to have a little bit of that early against Miami. You have other factors against Pitt. So again, there's, there's a lot of factors in play, but, but yeah, when guys, when you start to have success, when you start out well, like you did against Miami, when you start out with a kick return, suddenly you play well. I mean, like I said about Miami, Miami's not the number two team in the country or three team in the country. They're not that good. In terms of their roster, in terms of if you just matched up two teams, you know, if, if, I, if I had to pick again, Miami and, and Notre Dame on the same field, if you asked ask me who I'd pick, I'd still pick Notre Dame the next time. But Miami believes that they're really good right now. They've completely bought in after like what was it four or five one score wins in a row including a couple that were just miraculous you know the win over florida state in the last few seconds the unbel- the, the the lucky lucky win against uh against um georgia, georgia tech, tech where they 
they won on a on basically on a deflected fourth and long play that somehow wound up in the receiver's hands when you get those sorts of breaks you suddenly believe that you can't lose and all of a sudden after that stuff happened they are playing like a top five team and that's the same kind of thing that you get that that kick return you get that early success in a game and suddenly you believe and and i think that's as big a factor in in a lot of this as anything greg one thing that we've seen and i know the stats don't bear it out but i swear to you the defense just seems better than their numbers and one thing i think other than the virginia tech game i felt like they've played hard all year jason mentioned the turnover they got at the end of the first half against Pitt. i mean carolina doesn't win that game if Pitt scores there so your thoughts on how those guys have kept fighting through it i mean let's get real carolina's still a two and eight football team but two and eight certainly better than one and nine that a lot of people expected going into Pitt. Your thoughts on the defense and their energy and effort level that we've seen, especially over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and I'll I'll echo Jason kind of to start and and saying that other than the Virginia Tech game, I think this team has has played hard. It you know Notre Dame is just a team built to power through a team like North Carolina. Uh, so that game was going to be a blowout, really, regardless. Georgia Tech game, even though the final score was bad, I mean, that was 10-0 late in the third quarter. And so I think they have been. I think they've been competitive and they fought. And uh, MJ Stewart you know, told me after the Pitt game, I asked, I said, you know, did the Miami game kind of re-energize everybody? He said, no. He said, you know what? We played hard in that game, but that game was no different than every other game. We, we put it to bed you know, the next day and we moved on. And that really kind of confirmed to me that, hey, they didn't, you know, they didn't all of a sudden kind of light a new fire. Uh, they were just doing what they've been doing. And aside from that Virginia Tech game, they've done a good job of it. You know, defense, uh, this is going to be an interesting talking point in the offseason once we have all the stats in front of us. Um, and I, I think you know, Buck hit on it a few weeks ago talking about, you know, Connolly does a lot of these you know, advanced metrics that are, that are pretty neat. And one of them is success rate. And basically what that does, that tracks on any given play, how often does the defense have success on that play? So on first and 10, how often do they pick up five yards? You know, second and six, how often do they pick up four yards? Whatever it may be. And in recent years, North Carolina has not been very good in that metric. Even 2015, when North Carolina went to the ACC championship game, that team just had some weird magnetic ability to keep teams from scoring. But all the other stats were pretty bad. Uh, this team has actually been pretty good with success rate. Where they've had the most problem, of course, has been giving up catastrophic plays. They've limited that in the last two games, which is a, a positive sign. But I think the fact that some of that stems that you don't have any like true dominant defensive players. And so the guys that are there uh, are really giving it their all. There's just not enough talent on that side of the ball to be a dominant team. So I think they've played very hard. They've done a good job with what Papuchas has wanted them to do. It's it's just not a great defense. And um, you've got some guys, you know, MJ Stewart, clearly a quality guy. You know, Jalen Dalton's been been hit or miss a little bit. And you've got some promise up front. Fox has shown some some glimpses. Aaron Crawford has done the same. But I think the defense really is just kind of what it is. It's not a great defense, but they're playing hard. They seem to be getting a little bit better. But as you mentioned, as Jason mentioned, you know, if Pitt scores there right before the half, that game's probably over. 
but but credit you know, J.K. Britt with with you know, a great hustle play to knock that ball out at the two yard line, uh, and for Casey Collins to have the awareness to to not fall on the ball and to pick it up, and by returning it, you know they get a field goal out of it, and then all of a sudden it's a ten point swing right before half. So uh, I, I think Saturday is going to be uh, important for them because Western comes in as a very good uh, rushing team, you know, averaging I think two hundred thirty yards on the ground. North Carolina yet again has struggled uh, defending the run this year, and so you know if Western Carolina is able to have some success early. You know, maybe they can get this thing to the second second half, uh, and and be a little bit more of a test for North Carolina than what they want. I think for North Carolina, you know, if they can shut Western down early, kind of like they did Old Dominion, they get a bunch of three and outs first couple drives, then you can really make this thing a, a kind of a blowout. And that would give them a lot of confidence on defense because we know what NC State's going to do. NC State's going to line up and try to try to you know, pound it down their throat. Uh, and so I think this weekend kind of is a is a good test for that and kind of gives them a good uh, a good practice before that season finale. Jason, what are you looking for from North Carolina in a game like this? Uh, I mean, Larry Fedora, to his credit, his teams don't usually mess around with FCS teams. Uh, they go out, they handle their business, they beat them good. It's not like back in the day, Carolina would have a rough game against the James Madison when they had a pretty solid team. So, but from a coaching standpoint, what is the staff looking for from their team in a game like this against Western Carolina? I mean, the main thing you're looking for, aside from getting out healthy, which has been uh, a diff- probably the most difficult task for Carolina so far this year. Uh, aside from getting out healthy, is you're trying to make sure that you that you execute cleanly. Can you make sure that that when you call an RPO, the quarterback makes the proper read? Can you make sure that when you are when you're running a slant, the receiver's on his route and catches the football? Can you make sure that you know this guy on on the offensive line blocks the guy he's supposed to? It's that stuff. You know that. Other than that, you don't really worry about outcomes so much. You're just worried about can we do what we're what we're asking our guys to do? Are we executing? And specifically, you're you're already thinking forward just a little bit. Are we executing a few of the things that we're going to need to execute next week? You know, we know we we're going to need to do this well against them. So let's go ahead and call it a couple extra times here and make sure we can get it done. Or we want to set up this wrinkle that we're going to run against them next week so let's go ahead and put these couple things on film and make sure that we that we execute them well it's that stuff that you're trying to do in this game beyond that i mean it's not like they can play you know they can try to blow them out so they can get backups in there because they don't have any backups left so you know that that's what you're trying to do let's talk predictions greg i'll go to you first we've done it all year i think jason and i got it right last week actually yeah i'm pretty sure we did jason you and i picked carolina Greg continues his losing streak. <laughs> I'm just yeah, joking. I, I, Greg. I, I, I was off. I, I, I had it as what, uh, uh, 26, 23 or something like that. So the score was off. But. <laughs> Greg, your thoughts on how losing, Carolina plays. Losing streak. What? <laughs> Jeez. Spikes hey, optional. one game. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The, uh, as you mentioned, Tommy, North Carolina under Larry Fedora has really just steamrolled FCS opponents. And Western Carolina has got a good running attack. And that's really about it. 
And so I could see them having a little bit of success, but I think this is going to shape up very similar to the ODU game. I think this is going to be a very good, feel-good day for North Carolina on senior day. Uh, the program needs that, and I, I think the guys will be psyched up, uh, even though some of these seniors are going to be watching from the sideline because they're injured. Uh, I think the, the guys that do play are going to kind of rally around that fact. And so I think North Carolina wins this one big. Uh, I'll say 42-17. Jason, you're up. You know the guidelines. Yeah, I mean, I'm, there's not a whole lot to say beyond I think Carolina should win this one big and comfortably. They'll probably give up a few points. So, you know, I, I think I think Greg's probably right there. So, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with 45 – to 45 to 20. That sounds good. (laughs) Sounds good with me. I think I'm in the same ballpark. I think it might be, you know, 52 to 23 or something like that. But I think Carolina, like you say, Greg, they need a feel good game, especially in Keenan stadium. It's been rough this season in in Keenan stadium and uh, the home fans need to come out and support the seniors, but the team also needs to play well and, put up a big w for the the home fans guys it's been fun we got one more thursday preview podcast next week but we're done for tonight thanks thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of unc sports your home for tar heel football basketball and recruiting